welcome to the Countering Climate Skepticism podcast. Have you ever felt frustrated by the disinterest people seem to have in climate change? Have you ever encountered people that downplay the seriousness of climate change, either online or in person? Have you heard people say it's natural or climate change has always happened, right? Like some kind of climate denying Alan Partridge or something. If you're anything like me, this can make you feel pretty helpless and demoralised. So this podcast is our attempt to help address this problem. We aim to provide the counter arguments in the Common Climate Skeptics Playbook and give you the basic knowledge to counter the oh so pervasive bollocks of climate skepticism. My name is John, a history teacher, and with me is my co-host Mark, a climate researcher. How are you doing, Mark? Not too bad, John. Very pleased to be here uh, with my uh, Corona beer already half drunk. Nice, um, nice. How, how the devil are you? Uh, I'm very good, thanks, mate. Very good. Just got back from a, a festival a few days uh, ago, so feeling a little bit worse for you, for wear. Like, uh, can't do festivals like I used to when I was younger. <laughs> yes. What, what sort of festival was it? Uh, it was some some brutal death metal, uh, as is oh, standard wow. for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, thrown down in the mosh pit and listening to some uh, some really heavy tunes. Um, nice. But you know, like metalheads are nice people, really. They just like songs about death. Uh, cool. Okay, so uh, we're uh, w- this episode we're actually re-recording part of it because we uh, we messed it up the first time, and uh, so you're getting the uh, the uh, the vastly improved version. Well, I'll leave you to make the decision on that. Um, we we re-recorded it because we were waffling on a little bit. Um, so if you want to listen to that version, I'm sure we can uh, release the the waffle full version at some point. Um, in today's episode. We're going to be making some brief introductions as to to who we are uh, before we address the first climate scepticism argument regarding the pitiful amount of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Uh, If you're here just for that and you want to skip all of our uh, nonsense chatting, then uh, we'll put the uh, timestamps in the show notes and you can skip ahead. Uh, But let's get let's get on to our introductions then. So, uh, Mark, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Cheers, John. Yeah, so um, I I have so, so I, I've basically had um, spent the last ten years in university studying climate related things. Nice. So I uh, started off with a, an undergraduate degree in climate science at the University of East Anglia in Norwich, UK. Cool. And then after that, I then continued on at the same university with a master's in climate change. Uh, so a little bit different, but obviously the same ballpark. Um, and then I moved to the University of Reading in the UK, uh, where I, I'm doing a PhD on atmospheric turbulence okay. and its relationship to climate change. And I'm in the last year of that now. So it's pretty busy, but, um, but yeah, it's fun. Uh, and so so basically, I think I should know something about this subject yeah you know? absolutely absolutely you know if there's a if there was any doubts about uh, our qualifications for being able to talk about this well you know mark definitely is the the expert uh, on this and and uh, knows what he's talking about for me um i'm i'm a history teacher i've been a history teacher for 15 years uh, apart from the the last 12 months when my wife and i we we went traveling uh, went around europe uh, for six months went around america for six months uh, traveling and, and touring the world 
Um, so yeah, like I'm here really as the uh, the person who uh, has an interest in climate change, has, has seen its impacts across the world as we've been cruising around the states and things like that. Um, but really, just just want to know more about it, want to find out more about it. And Mark's here to enlighten me. I guess on to next then, then Mark. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how this podcast came about? Yeah, sure. So. Um... So I so basically on a whim, I decided I would like to contact uh, our old English teacher. Um, and so. So, yes, yeah, so I, I found him on the Internet and, and he was up for having a coffee because we, we live near each other. Uh, and so when 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 chatting to him, he, he of course, uh, realizes my background in climate science. And he was like, you know, I've got a family member who's like who's in denial about climate change. And it's really annoying because like, I know that the, uh, the climate scientists are basically almost unanimous about mm. the fact that climate change is man-made. But, uh, you know, even knowing this, I, I, it's really frustrating that I can't seem to adequately counter this yeah. family member. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so yeah, so, I felt his frustration and I tried to give him because obviously he's not, you know, a man who's got a science degree. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of some of the basic knowledge that you can then use to maybe push back a little on some of these these claims. Um, and uh, in the process of that, he was like, you know what, Mark, you should hmm. you should be doing a podcast <laughs> on this with your old friend, John Rainier. Yeah. Uh, and so that more people can can hear it. So and I thought that was a reasonable idea. So I got in touch with you through a mutual friend. And and to my delight, you were up for doing this. And so here we are. Yeah. Awesome. Here we are. Here we are. So how do you envisage this podcast going then, Mark? What are your plans for it? Yeah. So uh, first of all, John, I was just I can't quite remember. What did you study at A level and university? Um, well, I did two history degrees. Um, hang on a minute. No, I didn't. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's try that again. Um, that, that one we can keep in. Um, yeah, so um, I did a degree in medieval and modern history at University of Birmingham. Uh, my A-levels were in history and ancient history. That's where I did the two histories. Yeah, you can right. tell it's been a long time since I've been at school. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I did computer science as well. Um, oh, right. But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's what I uh, studied. Okay, so it's a lot of history and then this sort of oddball computer science yeah. thrown in. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, okay, yeah, so, so essentially how I see this podcast, just in my mind's eye at this point in time, is that the core of it is that you, John, uh, standing in perhaps for members of the general public who don't know a lot about climate science, who may not have a science degree. Uh, so you might put to me various common or not so common denialist type arguments about climate change. Yeah. So, for example, uh, the climate has always changed. Uh, so isn't climate change that we're experiencing now natural that sort of thing yeah, yeah. Uh, spoiler, and then spoiler alert for future episodes there yeah <laughs> yes well we'll definitely be doing that before too long um <laughs> so so then hopefully i can explain to you uh a lay person um 
why these arguments are problematic. Uh, and hopefully we can have a lot of fun along the way and learn a lot about the like this life support system we have, the living Earth in the vacuum of space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to finding out more about the science behind it, you know, especially like as, as I've experienced in my travels, just seeing what big impact it's having across the world. And that in England, it almost feels like, you know, all that's happening for us is we're getting a bit more rain. You know, we've had such a wet uh, August so far. Mm. I've come back from, from Seattle straight into some miserable rain for weeks <laughs> on end. Right. Yes, it's, it's not not been great recently, you know, uh, <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess uh, the other thing, you know, so these arguments like we can, of course, you know, find them ourselves. But like we do encourage anyone who's, you know, who's heard examples within their their friends and family uh, of climate denial. You know, if you feel like you you want us to respond to them, then by all means, please uh, send us an email and we'll do our best to cover them. Um, and I guess we'll also express our own opinions on the subject of climate change from time to time. No, uh, but we. No, surely not. Surely not. We must. We, we must be completely objective at all times. <laughs> not remotely, remotely suggest what we think or feel about this. <laughs> but we're humans, John. You know. You know. We have feelings. You know. We can't. You know. I try not to be. Okay. All right. Really? All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll, when we do express um, our opinions, we'll highlight them as such. So we won't be trying to pass off our own opinions as objective facts. Yes, yes. But, um, or not alternative facts either. There won't be any alternative not, facts in this. No, 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 no. Not Whatever we do, we will not <laughs> be, <laughs> be giving alternative facts. Um, so so what, about, what about you, John? Did you, what were, what were your plans for the podcast? I, I, I remember you saying something about a, a good news climate story. Uh, what's the thinking there? Yeah, well, I think uh, the the general discourse, the general uh, kind of discussion around climate change is is very doom and gloom. And mm. you know, there's this this sense of just being resigned to the fact that well, climate change is going to happen. Uh, and all of this kind of climate doom is in some ways is becoming the new climate denial. Um, it's been weaponized as a way of, of uh, kind of pushing for people to not do anything about about climate change. So my, my intention really is to, to try and dig through all of that and, and find some of the positive climate change stories that are out there. You know, what's been doing and what's been going on that's actually like really kind of um, moving things in the right direction and showing that there okay. is some positivity out there. You know, okay. not peddling uh, this great phrase you uh, shared with me earlier, not peddling in hopium, uh, but actually showing things as they are. Right. OK, yeah, yeah. That's I guess that's important because, you know, we want to want to highlight the positives. But, you know, it is it is a heavy subject, so we're not going to underplay that but, but yeah, hopefully yeah, we can provide yeah. a positive spin on it yeah 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 try and try and sift through and, and find some of the comedy gold that uh, exists in <laughs> the topic of climate change yeah um, so uh, as well you know we we've, we've been talking a little bit about how uh, we would like to do this podcast we're thinking that this is probably going to be uh, like a, a limited series of maybe about 10 episodes uh, and then there'll be a bit of a gap uh, before we, we release future episodes and things like that. Uh, but we'll provide at the end of uh, this podcast the, where you can follow us on social media and things like that, uh, and, a, and an email for a mailing list. Um, so in our last recording, um, 
before we came up with this new improved version. Um, we, we went on about politics, but we don't really want to kind of go into too much depth about that. Uh, just it, to sum it up, really, uh, we're both kind of on the left of the political spectrum, Mark being a little bit more centrist than I am. Um, but we're, we're going to try our very best to, to be objective, you know, to show things as they actually are um, and leave them open to, to interpretation, depending on, on people's individual political views um, and to try and, and kind of give any balance. If any listeners feel that, you know, that we're not being more objective, we're more than happy for people to to kind of uh, to, to get involved in the discussions and, and kind of show uh, how we can be more objective and more neutral uh, in our approach with this podcast. Right, let's get started on our first main climate sceptic argument. Then. So we've named this podcast the Countering Climate Scepticism Pod. Bit of a mouthful, try and say that 10 times quickly. Um, so first of all, just to, to kind of ease us in a bit, Mark, um, what what do we mean by the term climate you know particularly in relation maybe towards weather climate and weather yeah yeah it's, it's a very good question uh and yeah fundamental to what we're going to be discussing i mean like the the bog standard climate denial argument or, or the most traditional one i guess is that the earth is warming we all agree that there is warming going on but this warming is natural. The climate has changed before, therefore the change that we see at the moment is natural. So so from that, you can sort of see that when they're talking about climate, they're talking about the, I guess the, well, they're largely talking about the Earth's average temperature. Yeah. So, so the Earth, obviously, if you're at the equator, it's warmer than at the poles. But, but as, a, as a sort of rough figure, if you take the average temperature of the Earth, I believe it's about 15 degrees. Okay. So if you take a geographical average. Are we talking centigrade or Fahrenheit there? Good question. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and I, I've made a point to like write everything in both so that, you know, if American listeners are listening, then, you know, they won't be like, well, what the feck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so what, hang on, I have it written down somewhere. Can I quickly find it? Is it about 50 or something like that? So it's, uh, I think it was from memory. It was 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Uh, 15 degrees centigrade. Uh, so comfortable temperature on average, but obviously that's not going to be the case at the poles, um, and it's going to be much warmer at the equator. Uh, so, so yeah. So, so when you're talking about weather, you tend to be on a geographic scale talking about something that's more local so you talk about the the weather over the uk so you're not talking about the weather over the earth so there's a sort of scale difference yeah yeah this average temperature of 15 degrees we've managed to over the course of 150 years so 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 we often talk about climate change with respect to the pre-industrial period. Mm. So before we started burning large amounts of fossil fuels, coal, yeah. oil, and gas. Uh, and sometimes they use the, the year 1850 okay. as the benchmark for that. And so in 1850, uh, global temperatures, 14 degrees. Yeah. In 2023, we have, with 
with climate change, we have raised the average temperature of the Earth by 1.1 degrees centigrade right. or two degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, and this, at first glance, people can think this is, this is not a lot. You know, like if the if the temperature, you know, in winter in the UK were one degree warmer, yeah. that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah. I would, yeah. It, it gets <laughs> still gets pretty cold here, but uh, but on a global scale, this is something completely different. Your idea. If, you, if you're thinking weather and you're thinking a one degree temperature change, because we're talking about uh, a sort of a global average, one degree is huge. Yeah. It's a lot more heat in the system um, and it has a, a very large impact on extremes as well, which I'll go into maybe later in the series. Um, but yeah, so, so as well as it being about like, so in a terms, in a geographical sense, it's a sort of a larger average uh, climate is also a, in a kind of temporal sense, it's a larger average as well. Right. So, so typically they might talk about the climate as being the average temperature over a 30-year period. Yeah. So we're not talking of weather. Again, we're talking about seven days or, you know, yesterday or tomorrow. It's very short periods of time. You might say that the, the temperature will increase five degrees tomorrow or something yeah. like that. With, with climate, uh, if, the, if the Earth's average temperature was 14 degrees back in the pre-industrial, having changed to 15 degrees is a, is a large jump. Yeah. And that, that 14 degrees would be a 30-year average over time as well, yeah. as well as over the... So basically, climate is kind of like weather, but it's over a larger spatial scale and over a larger... Uh, time scale so it doesn't it doesn't tend to change that much you know because it's you know uh, a large time average and a large spatial average um, so so having moved it 1.1 degrees so far that's a bit that's a big deal yeah um, so so that's climate um, I guess also sorry I guess there's, there's a tendency to maybe concentrate a lot on like temperature but um, there's also precipitation so how much it rains yeah. and the two things are linked because the hotter the earth becomes the more water vapor the atmosphere can hold right. and so climate change can affect like where rainfall falls how much falls and how dry the land gets because as you get warmer you know water can evaporate from the ground and this can lead to uh, droughts in some places and then floods in other places. Right. So, yeah. so this is so yeah. that kind of that explains that common thing that that people often criticise, like uh, people talking about climate change when they're saying, well, you know, it, you're saying that there's this climate change making everything hotter, but it's rained loads here. I guess that goes some way towards explaining that then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. In general, the that people will typically say climate change. It's snowing here wherever i am on the planet and it's just like and and, and you know people people lap that up you know like yeah. it can't be global warming can't be happening you know but then typically if you look at a map that spans the whole globe you'll get like isolated places where it's gotten cooler this year but the rest of the, the globe is you know red in terms yeah. of like temperature rise so you still you, you even in an era of climate change you can still get cold records being broken it's just that more 
hot um, extreme heat records are being broken. And, and that's something that we've definitely experienced over the last six months, you know, as we've been traveling across the US. You know, we, mm. we narrowly missed out the, the shifting uh, tornadoes across the Midwest. Uh, right, right. Some wildfires in New Mexico when we were there. And but then also California has, has had unprecedented levels of, of destruction to the mm. national parks and along the coastline. You know, there are some sections of the Pacific Coast that have completely collapsed and, and eroded away uh, because of record-breaking storms up in the Sierra Nevada mountains as well. Record levels of snowfall has meant that some of the parks were, were closed like months longer than they had done in previous years. Uh, so mm. it's, it's really, really noticeable uh, when, you're, when you're visiting some of these places. Yes, yes. I mean, were you in danger from any of these like wildfires or no we were we were quite lucky it was one of those things where it was like everywhere we'd been we just missed them uh we did drive <laughs> okay, past right. one when we were in new mexico there was one wildfire that we drove past we could see it from the other side of the mountain range uh, it yeah. looked like this like 300 foot plume of smoke up in the air and as we drove around the mountain we drove right past it on the road it did seem like they'd managed to have it relatively contained and obviously out okay. in the desert you know wild wildfires can occur but it's the frequency with which they're occurring that seems to be the big change occurring at the moment yeah yeah uh, there's a lot in the news right now about you know the the, the insane heat waves going on in america in america particularly yeah, yeah. i mean maybe all over the world i think but but i guess because we're in britain you know we have a lot of we, we're, we have a special interest i guess in what's going on in the u.s but um, but I guess I guess on top of we there's a phenomenon happening this year, uh, which is called El Nino, yeah, um, yeah. which is uh, something that happens in the equatorial Pacific Ocean. Um, but without going into too much detail about El Nino, it means that when there's an El Nino, global temperatures will be hotter than they otherwise would have been. Yeah. So this is this is like a natural thing. Um, it sometimes happens that there's an El Nino and the temperature is hotter on Earth than it would have been. Sometimes it's the opposite, La Nina, which yeah. is the opposite phase, and we have cooler global temperatures. Um, but but the problem is that we've already raised the average temperature, and then on top of that, you have El Nino pushing it even higher. Yeah. So if there is if there is no El Nino next year, then chances are next year will be cooler. But would I be right? Yeah. They tend to be on like a four-year cycle, is it? Or so it's not as predictable as that. There's, a, okay. there's kind of a bit of randomness in the system. Like you can't really predict. You, you can predict to some degree, maybe like a couple of. I, I don't. I'm not entirely sure about this, but there is some predictability when you get fairly close. Um, and people that you, you see on Twitter, like people guessing, is it going to be an El Nino? You know, yeah. like nerds, yeah. like like watching. <laughs> Sorry to all the nerds. Nerds is a cool thing. I got called a nerd on GB News recently. Uh, I, I might put a link in the show notes, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have any problem with nerds and nerding out. But uh, but but yeah, the, so there's a lot of interest in the scientific community about whether it's going to whether the system is going to tip into an El Nino. Um, but but yeah, El Ninos are probably going to mean that there's a lot of suffering, especially on top of the the raised temperatures. Um, yeah. So anyway. Okay. So next next question then. So like, what's our definition then of, of scepticism for this show? What what do we mean when we're talking about scepticism, climate denial, or being contrarian? Yes. Yeah. No. It's it's a it's a good question, and you know, 
like you get someone come up to you and they they say well you know i'm not i'm not sure that you know it's i know the climate is changing but you know is it is it us that's caused it i'm not 100 percent sold on that and and so that person they could just be you know their their information sources have made it appear to them like there's this climate change maybe is natural uh, they could be just just confused i guess or they just don't know enough but then they could be you know like under the hood as it were they're just not interested they just they've decided it's not natural and whatever you tell them evidence wise it's not really going to change their mind so i guess you have to watch um so, so if you give that person the answers to all their questions the evidence if then after they come back uh and their responses wow i didn't know that actually that's answered a few of my questions right i see you know if they're like that then 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 it turns out they've been genuinely skeptical and you know they were they were arguing good faith if on the other hand they just come up with ever more questions you know keep shifting their arguments and there's no end in sight then you know as someone who's trying to i don't know educate people about this it's not worth your time so i guess you have to from the outside, it's difficult to tell at first, you know, if if after a while you get a sense of whether they're being sceptical or or a denier. Piers Corbyn, he's a well-known denier. Yeah. I would have no problem calling him a denier because you can see, like, his, through history, like, you know, he's, he keeps on spouting the same rubbish and mm. there's very little doubt there. Yeah, it's, it's not always obvious. Um, yeah, so contrarian... I guess all of these terms are a little bit imperfect. Like, I know some people sometimes have a problem with denier. They get really offended by it because it's got this association with Holocaust denier. Mm. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, like, I, but, but, but the thing is that, like, even if you talk to Piers Corbyn and you ask him, how would you describe yourself? He would say, um, I'm a climate skeptic okay. because skepticism is sort of seen as, you know, a kind of a virtuous uh, characteristic yeah, you know, scientists yeah. are supposed to You're be questioning skeptical. and yeah 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 i mean having a you know not taking things on trust yeah i mean that's we shouldn't take things on trust right yeah you know um but uh the thing is that they've kind of misappropriated that label because okay it's fa- it's fine to be skeptical about climate change but once someone tells you you know like the, the gaps in your knowledge and shows you the evidence and then you're still not convinced eh, it's sort of you know maybe the referring to yourself as a skeptic just makes you you know it's just a, a positive label that you're applying to yourself when in fact you're yeah. a denier yeah yeah absolutely yeah and and um a contrarian I, I was a bit struggling about how to characterize this what did i put uh someone i mean we've all met people like this you know you have a friend or whatever and you, you find them making like bizarre arguments and you just you you don't even know whether they actually believe yeah. what it is they're they're arguing like uh, devil's advocate, yeah. yeah 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 i also thought yeah there's got a devil's advocacy twinge but and i, I don't know like sometimes m- maybe they feel it makes them look smart or they can get attention that way so they're not particularly wedded to what they believe i guess but they just like being contrarian i guess mm. um what oh yeah so yeah for a contrarian argument uh there is an argument that says climate change is happening humans may be the cause but um 
I reckon the benefits will outweigh the disadvantages. So, for example, in the UK, uh, we've now got a very active uh, vineyard industry. Okay. You know, whereas before uh, France could grow grapes, we couldn't. But now we yeah. now we can grow grapes, and this is good for the UK economy and all over the world. You know, there are positives towards climate change. You know, people find themselves you know lucky winners in certain regards but but yeah this is a bit of a contrarian i see this as a bit of a contrarian argument um because yeah we don't think that the overall the the benefits are going to outweigh the the costs yeah. especially as we keep on getting warmer that okay. argument becomes harder and less tenable right so so this this there's something uh i'd like to introduce here and i'll probably keep referring back to it um and it's a way that I found for me to sort of, I guess, classify when someone's sceptical about climate change. The first, in order to be able to be convincing to them, I need to sort of like understand their particular scepticism or, you know, what what, what angle are they taking? Okay. Like, like, for example, I once met uh, an old teacher of mine uh, from university and it was not related to my my climate climate studies. But they were of the opinion that, uh, like, you know, there are there are eight billion people on Earth at the moment. But even so, the atmosphere is huge. Mm. Like, you know, how can how can we, you know, who are tiny, influence something as large as the Earth? So that that's that's another sceptical argument someone could bring. Um, But but, yeah, it's a little bit different to the other the other arguments that I've already mentioned. And. So the way that you'd respond to that would be different uh, to the way you'd respond to other types of denial. So the ziggurat. So to just explain what a ziggurat is, in case, do you know what a ziggurat is just off the top of your head? Or? Yeah, is it like a, a stepped pyramid, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good way of describing what it is. So instead of it being like a pyramid like the, um, uh, or a 2D version of the, the pyramids of Egypt, it's, it sort of goes up in steps, okay. um, but otherwise it's it's a sort of a pyramid. So so this 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 uh, climate scepticism ziggurat that I'm going to talk about now it has six levels. Okay. Uh, levels one, two, three, four, five, and six, um, and um, it goes like so. The first level of the ziggurat is one. Climate is not changing at all it's remained the same two moving on to the second level but if climate is changing then humans are not responsible for that change it's natural but if they are third level the amount of change will be insignificant But if it isn't, level four, the positives will outweigh the benefits. But if they don't, level five, technology will come and save us. So we don't need to do anything. Right. And then as you go on to the final level, there's a little bit of a bifurcation, which is something that I've, there's there's two ways you can kind of go from here. Uh, So the... The 6A and 6B. So for 6A, but if technology won't solve the problem, then we shouldn't crash the economy to save the planet. 
Okay. That's 6A. 6B, but if technology doesn't save us, then we're doomed and we should all just give up. Right. Yeah, so it's it uh, really neatly puts together, you know, how these arguments build up. And it's mm. really interesting to hear that. And essentially, like you, you can see how you can, through following that way of thinking, just lead yourself to the point of, so let's just not do anything rather mm. than actually seeing it as being something that you can actively change and, and reverse in some way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's very widespread. I, I guess there is a lot of concern this year particularly about climate change because of you know how hot it is um but one worries that people you know might might sort of gravitate towards that position because it's it, you know it's it's a huge problem and you know so and it's one that we're, we're we are making efforts to address but it's but it's i guess a lot of people like just genuinely feel like i'm just one individual what can i do um and there are things you can do you don't you know when we're you know a lot of individuals making changes and uh, talking with each other about this and raising awareness you know all these things add up and will hopefully put pressure on politicians and whatnot to to get to grips with the problem mm -hmm. and give it the seriousness that it that it needs but i can you know it's, it sounds a bit harsh sort of for people who are a bit gloomy about it to sort of you know classify them as as deniers um and I don't tend to do that, but but I guess there is a sense in which, you know, doomism uh, can be sort of a type of denial, um, because I guess the, the way I see denial and the thing that ties all of these things together, right from the very like, you know, you know the bottom level, which is like the, the just flat out like denial about the the fact that it's getting warmer, you know. Uh, which which I don't think barely anyone says that anymore because it's just just a bit no one will, no one will take them seriously yeah. because yeah but 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 it was it was it was a it was a sort of thing you know ten years ago or five years ago um, an argument that got put um, but 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 yeah yeah so so I guess with with the the um, the fossil fuel industry has a vested interest in you know cl climate change is a kind of an existential risk for uh, you know the producers of oil coal and gas yeah. you know we can't we can't carry on with business as usual and climate change is just tremendously awkward for them you know and 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 being private companies or whatever you know they will um yeah they you know private companies respond to shareholders try to maximize profit you know they will try and keep going for as long as possible unfortunately that's just the nature of, of that sort of beast but I guess for those who are you know there are sort of um, efforts they're making but you know it could be that like you know if they can convince everyone that there's nothing that can be done about climate change then you know political pressure will ease on governments and you know we can keep on digging up and burning fossil fuels you know so they're feeling the heat from you know activist groups and just, yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> certainly so but yeah I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to people who are who are who are a bit gloomy about the prospects but um i study this thing and have been doing for a decade and you know i'm still still of the opinion that we can uh and should do something about it and we, we there are reasons to be optimistic so you know so it's it's i know it's hard but um 
but yeah, definitely all is not lost. We can do this, you know. Yeah, so so I guess all, the thing that ties all that together, I may have said this already, but the thing that ties all that together is we shouldn't do anything about the problem. So whichever level, you can, the, the, the sort of the, the thing that follows from that is we shouldn't, we just... We, should, we shouldn't yeah. do anything about it. So, yeah. so that's so maybe that maybe that's a little bit of an expansive definition of denial, but yeah. So that's the, that's that's what ties everything in the ziggurat together. Um, yeah. So I will be um, talking about the ziggurat, I guess, going through the series. So I'll maybe uh, put a link in the show notes so people can look at it if if they're interested. How about you, John? Have you ever encountered climate science denial, or is it has it not been much of a thing on your radar? Yeah, no. I mean, like obviously, you see a lot of it in the media. You see a lot of uh, government policies that that seem to demonstrate that there there may well be some climate related denial going on because things seem to be moving in the opposite direction uh, to what supporters of climate change feel we need to be doing individually like uh, i've had a conversation with someone uh, just a couple of years ago um who was um saying well we've been banging on about climate change for 30 years and the world hasn't ended yet therefore it can't be a problem you know and like, it's quite interesting because you know like seeing how that fits into the ziggurat you know you can see where they are on on the levels with that and uh, mm-hmm. when we were in arizona as well uh, a few months ago uh, we were in the uh, petrified forest national park and there was okay. a, a sign uh, an information sign that was talking about climate change but talking about it like prehistorically talking about it from millions of years ago right, uh, yeah, yeah. and was was talking about the climate has changed in mm. the last 60 million years and yes. somebody had written graffitied on the sign uh like next to it like see climate change is nothing new and uh you know so like, clever so clever yeah yeah and i was right out in the desert right in the middle of nowhere and just mm. If I had a pen on me, I would have scrawled all over it going, <laughs> that's happened over millions of years, you idiot, not over yes. 50. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are the, the kind of things that I've come across. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, you're, you're dead right. You know, climate has changed before on longer timescales, you know, uh, and, and we'll, we'll definitely unpack that a little bit more. But uh, But yeah, it's it's frustrating you know like like could we just not like face the problem that we have and solve it you know like why do we why does why does all of this come out of the woodwork you know yeah yeah. Uh, but it does that's the world we live in okay so i guess we'll we'll move on next to to the main part of our episode today of really trying to unpick one of the uh, kind of skeptic arguments the main skeptic arguments so this one's related mark to to the atmosphere so okay. uh, my understanding, what, what is it that the atmosphere is mostly made up of? So uh, nitrogen and oxygen. Right. So the nitrogen is what, 78 percent, four fifths okay. of the atmosphere. Uh, we don't we just breathe it in, breathe it out. It just doesn't really do anything. Um, I mean, it, yeah, for us at least. And then there's 21 percent is oxygen, which right. we need. Uh, that takes us up to 99 percent. OK, uh, so so this climate uh, skeptic argument then if less than half of one percent of our atmosphere consists of co2 the gas that is supposedly responsible for global warming 
how is this having such a major impact? How can such a pitiful quantity of <laughs> CO2 in the atmosphere be enough to warm up the whole planet? Surely that's nonsense. <laughs> well, well the, 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 the person who put that question has uh, slightly overstated the amount, uh, funnily enough, because it's not that it's less than half of 1%, it's less than half of 0.1%. Right. So it's it's uh, it's even more pitiful than than that okay. that uh, the person who posed the question uh, would say. However, surprise, surprise, I don't agree with what they said. <laughs> uh, there are, I guess, in a nutshell, the answer to this is that there are plenty of examples that I could give to you where trace quantities, trace being tiny, meaning tiny, trace quantities of something can have large effects. So the fact that there's, you know, like nitrogen and oxygen are so much more common in the atmosphere than CO2. Excuse me, the, the beer is uh, repeating on me. Um, is, yeah, it, it just is just not really a, a good argument. So um, there's there's something that, you know, so there's there's something called uh, logical fallacies. Have you, have you, you yeah, I imagine, yeah, yeah I, I don't know, quite know how, how common it is to know about logical fallacies, but there's one uh, logical fallacy that's called the non sequitur logical fallacy. Okay. So someone will say, because of A, therefore B. Right. And, um, you know, and you listen to that and it sort of sounds convincing, but hang on, does B really follow from A? You know, it's, it's not it's not necessarily the case. So, for example, here's an example of a, a non sequitur logical fallacy. Okay. Because people quite frequently, in fact, get injured while doing sports. Yeah. That's A. Therefore. No one should ever do sport again. Yeah. Yeah. So A is true, but can you really say that means B? Yeah. So so that that's the idea behind a non sequitur logical fallacy. A does not necessarily imply B. So it's even less. So carbon dioxide is less than 0.1 percent, less than half of 0.1 percent. It's technically 0.042 percent. Okay. So that's that's that seems quite small. Um, but and, and, and so just, just just a quick note here. We don't tend to talk about carbon dioxide in terms of percentages. Right. We tend to use a unit called PPM and PPM stands for parts per million. OK, right. so if you have a million parts, a million atoms of gas, molecules of gas in the atmosphere, if you have one PPM, one in a million is whatever you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so the two the two numbers with regard to carbon dioxide that is um, that are useful to remember are 280 parts per million. Okay. And 420 parts per million. Yeah. So 280 is the amount of carbon dioxide that was in the atmosphere around 1850, before the Industrial Revolution happened, before we discovered, wow, these fossil fuels, they sure have a lot of energy inside them. Right. So 280 parts per million. So that's, yeah, even less than we have now. We have 
since then, we've burnt a fuck ton of coal, <laughs> oil, and gas, like just enormous quantities of it. And, you know, and through time, this amount has gone up. Uh, and we've basically multiplied the amount of carbon dioxide that was in the air in before the Industrial Revolution by half. Right. Sorry. So to be clear, sorry, we've increased it by 50 percent. Yeah. So we, ha we haven't doubled it yet, but we've increased it by 50 percent. So we've yeah. gone from 280 to 420. Right. So uh, that is that is significant. And that has resulted in a 1.1 degree change in Earth's average temperature yeah. and changes to precipitation patterns, etc., etc. Other things that you may know that have tiny concentrations, but have pretty large effects. So do you drink coffee, John? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the amount of uh, caffeine in your mug of coffee yeah. is around 400 parts per million. Right. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, but I mean... Do you just, I mean, I suppose because we're all so bloody used to coffee, we, we yeah, chuck it down. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a shred of difference, but <laughs> but I guess we still drink it. So yeah. we're not, yeah, it, it wakes you up in the morning or. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah considering such a tiny fraction, it's crazy that it does that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the, the other one, this is slightly more, have I got the, yes, great. Okay. So alcohol, <laughs> if you have a blood alcohol of 500 parts per million. Yeah. So that's slightly more than the amount of carbon dioxide we have. According to this American Addiction Center org, you have, sorry, yeah, sorry, it's alcohol.org, the website, but at 500 ppm, at this level of blood alcohol, your behavior will become exaggerated. Right. You may speak louder and gesture more. You may also begin to lose control of small muscles, like the ability to focus your eyes. So vision will become blurry. So small amount of stuff can can really have, have a big difference. impact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's so yeah, there are there are a few other amusing examples like, okay, so John, I've got a cup of tea for you. In it, I've included just one ppm, one right. part per million of arsenic. Okay. <laughs> can, can I interest you in this I'm, cup of tea? I'm, it's a very I'm not not uh, inviting you over as a guest, to be honest, Mark. <laughs> All right, okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't, you probably won't now. You'll you'll be you'll always be like you made that like weird comment about <laughs> arsenic and tea. Like fuck that. It's, maybe maybe being it sort of like you know two three hours drive from each other. Maybe that's the yeah. that's the safest way to be. You know. So um, what's what's the impact of was it one one part per million of arsenic? Well, to be honest, I don't know. But what I do know is that the safe limit for arsenic is 0.01 ppm right. of arsenic in your water. Okay. And so, so essentially, if you have 100 times that, yeah. you're literally getting 100 times the safe recommended dose yeah. of arsenic. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't touch that tea with a barge pole unless you want to end up like Litvinenko or, you know, <laughs> poor guy. Um, wasn't arsenic it was something but something equally bad or worse um but yeah like i mean just on the alcohol thing when you get to uh 1500 ppm so that's like three to four times the amount of co2 that we have 
this blood alcohol is very high. You will have much less control over your balance and voluntary muscles. So walking and talking are difficult. You may right. fall and hurt yourself. You get up to 3,000. Have you been there? Yes. <laughs> on, on many an occasion. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder now, like, you know, what, what is my, my PPM, you know, <laughs> having this, this Corona is half finished and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't usually drink, you know, so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, so when, when you get to 3000 PPM, so that's like six or seven times the CO2, you know, at this point you may be unconscious and the, your potential for, for death increases. Right. And then it goes up to 4,000. It's like, you're unlikely to be alive at this point. Okay. So, so, so even at, so what, so basically at 0.4%, so that was what your original statement of the question was, right? Less than half of 1%. Yeah. In the case of alcohol, less than half of 1% will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, I don't know, you're made of something special. Yeah. But yeah, so... Yeah, the, the, this is a more visual one. So it only takes a few parts per million of blue dye to make a bucket full of clear water extremely blue. Right. So, so yeah, there, there's plenty of examples I've given you. I've given you four examples of yeah. why a pitiful concentration of something Can does not mean... Yeah. 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 Yeah, so the, the, the science of climate science and the history of it goes back a long way. Mm. And... I think it was in 1856 that, that uh, a female scientist called Eunice Foote uh, figured out that, like, you know, carbon dioxide is a heat-trapping gas. Right. And um, if, you, um, if we were to increase atmospheric concentrations, we would likely see a warming of the climate. Right. Um, so, so this is in 1856, and then there was, there was more work done in 1859, it's been 150 years since yeah, then. Yeah. And, you know, like we, we have the science on carbon dioxide and its thermal properties, its heat trapping properties, pretty much down to a T, you know. So, so we, we're pretty sure about this uh, 150 years plus later. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially, so like, like I, I mentioned that the Earth before the Industrial Revolution, before we discovered the wonders of fossil fuels because they were they were wondrous you know they've they power our civilization you know and yeah. many many good things have come from them but um before we um we started burning them in 1850 we had 280 parts per million yeah now we've got 420 then we had 280 um if we were to have if someone had like a hoover that could suck up all of the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Yeah. So take out that that 280 parts per million bit. Um, Earth's temperature would fall to minus 15 degrees. Wow. So that's the average temperature for the Earth. The average temperature of the wow. Earth. So it, that really highlights just how fragile it is and how these these tiny changes can make such a massive difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sorry, just for the American listeners, uh, minus 15 degrees centigrade is uh, five degrees Fahrenheit. Somehow that's still positive. Uh, Fahrenheit <laughs> is a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, but, uh, I spent six months over there and it still was yeah. absolute nonsense by the time we left. Couldn't work it out at all. All, all we could work out is above 100 is really fucking hot. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
I don't know, what does naught mean? In, like, it'd be something like minus 18. It's like, what, at the point where, like, even the hardiest of folk need to put on a jumper or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone can, like, write in and explain what, what what's the significance of naught Fahrenheit. Uh, because I'm too lazy to Google it, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 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 it's, it's kind of interesting. So, like, the Earth, you know, we're used to the, the Earth being in the kind of the Goldilocks zone of the solar system. You know, like, we're we're at the right distance to you know to have like liquid water because liquid water is very important for like the development of life um you know but but essentially if you take all the carbon dioxide out so so just have the same atmosphere just just take out all the 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 warming gases uh like carbon dioxide which are known as greenhouse gases carbon dioxide isn't the only one but it's the it's the biggest one yeah um then um the Earth is basically too far away from the sun right. to be in the Goldilocks zone. If, we, if it was yeah. minus 15 degrees, you know, it would be, yeah, there would be no liquid water on Earth. Everything would be frozen, solid. Uh, so, yeah, so we, we're, we're thankful for having that 0.028% carbon dioxide yeah. in our yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. So it's, it's um, yeah, so it's quite, it's quite amazing. And that enables, you know, the, the nice climate that we have that is supportive to, to us uh, yeah. um, and and just as a sort of side note uh, you do you know the, the the planets before the earth in the solar system um, as in closer to the sun mm. yeah so mercury and venus yeah correct and and uh, which one's the closest do you know mercury. The two? yeah so so mercury I was looking this up the other day mercury's average temperature is 67 degrees Wow. Which was not as much as I thought it would be, actually. Um, this was a Wikipedia check, so I hope <laughs> the Wikipedia article is uh, kosher there. Uh, so th- this is 153 degrees Fahrenheit right. uh, for the American listeners. Um, Venus, on the other hand, further even away. Hotter. Yeah. Yeah, it's even hotter. It's 464 degrees Ooh. on average. Yeah, a lot hotter. Um, that's 867 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Um, so verging on a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason for that is its atmosphere is thick and it's 96.5% carbon dioxide. Right. Okay. So heat that gets into Venus doesn't really get out because it has such a thick atmosphere. Wow. So, mm. so yeah, so, um, Okay. Yeah. So, so here's, this is a sort of like a tangent. It's not really, it's a sort of separate argument in a kind of a way because we, you know, even if carbon dioxide levels rise and rise and rise, you know, you and I are not going to have a problem breathing. Okay. So I'll say that at the outset. (laughs) Well, there are arguments that if if you, so we're at 420 parts per million now, if, if it rises to something like 700 parts per million, which would be pretty calamitous in and of itself, but you may also, there will be effects on human cognition. Okay. So, so we will, you know, so, so quite often, like, um, you know, we, we live in poorly ventilated rooms and because of that, you know, the, the, with the carbon dioxide we're breathing out, carbon dioxide levels can rise yeah. and rise and, um, and that can make us, you know, that's why, I mean, you, you probably notice in classrooms, you might, uh, like, when you open the windows, maybe, like, you know, get a breath of fresh air and maybe, yeah. like, people perk up a little bit. Yeah, it wakes the kids up a bit, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so carbon dioxide at higher levels, you know, makes us sluggish yeah. uh, and uh, sleepy. And so, you know, that's not great, but but basically we're, we're not going to struggle to breathe or anything. But um, there's this great video on YouTube, which I've so it's actually like a three part. To, the first part is called I sealed myself in a jar. OK. Uh, and it's <laughs> this this dude who, who like builds this kind of cube. that's maybe about three, three meters high by three meters wide. And it's like he builds the frame and then he sticks some plastic tarpaulin over it. And he just and, he, and then in the inside, he has like, um, you know, devices to measure the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And he stays there for. I don't know, like 24 hours or whatever. Yeah. And he just documents like, you know, at this level of carbon dioxide, this is what I'm feeling like. Um, and he gets up to uh, 1% carbon dioxide, which is 10,000 parts per million. Yeah. Um, and that's the point at which he pulls the plug because, okay. you know, you're, you get, you start to get disorientated and did, um, he have someone, did he have someone to let him out? Because I mean, this experiment <laughs> could have gone disastrously wrong. Uh, he did, he had, no, he did it really, it's like a, you know, he properly set it up and he had like a health expert outside and he also had like a Stanley knife, I believe that he could like, if, you know, if, he, if something went wrong, he could just like, cut himself out. Okay. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's all in the name of science. Exactly. Yes. And, um, I think his, his big thing is, you know, like, you know, we, we, we want to be more careful about ventilating the spaces where, you know, enclosed spaces yeah. because, you know, I mean, it's not the same as climate change because it's just you know your local air, but yeah, yeah. Um, but essentially, and so like there's a there's an offshoot for that video that goes to another channel where where a guy starts talking about the the physiology of it, and um, it looks like by the time you get to a concentration of five percent CO two, uh, you're at risk of dying. Right. So you know that's still you know you, the oxygen level could be sixteen percent. Carbon dioxide has shot up to five percent. Uh, you'd think that would be breathable, but no, it's right. it's it's problematic for your body because carbon dioxide, when it dissolves in liquid, makes that liquid more acidic. Right. Um, so just lightly acidic, and you know your blood has a certain pH, a certain yeah. uh, degree of acidity, uh, and if it moves substantially from that, you get problems. And so by the time you get to 5% CO2, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in trouble. So this guy bailed at 1% CO2, yeah. but, but yeah, so, I mean, like we're not, so what's it? 5% CO2 would be 50,000 parts yeah. per million. Uh, and I don't, I've not seen anyone talking about, not, not even like 10,000 no. parts per million. So we're not going there, but there is the argument that, you know, we could become thicker globally, just <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, we have a difficult problem. What do we need? Yeah, we should become... Yeah thicker yeah it just doesn't but um but yeah so and and, and also of interest do you, do you remember like a few years back uh like a bunch of thai kids no was it thai Thailand? trapped in the cave those ones yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and then elon musk called someone to the a yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 yes yes um so so there's, there's a great film about that whole that whole incident but but the um one of the things that was interesting is you know they're they're, they're trapped inside this cave the the Thai kids mm. uh, and people are trying to get them out desperately. But the, the thing is that as they're in an enclosed space they're with every breath they take, they're taking yeah. oxygen and they're converting it into carbon dioxide. So oxygen levels are falling, carbon dioxide levels are rising. 
And I think it's the case that the thing that people were most worried about was that they were going to asphyxiate on their own carbon dioxide rather yeah. than oxygen running out. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So like even at, I mean, 5% is not a large percentage, but yeah, it will, it will definitely kill you. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah. So, so basically John, I don't agree <laughs> with the skeptics point here. Uh, I, I hope that is compelling. Is it at all compelling? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, just to, to recap here, because I've, I've yeah. learned a, a tremendous amount here. So we've we've disproven here that having less than half of 0.1% of CO2 in the atmosphere can be ignored, that it, it actually has a significant impact, even though yeah. it's it's a very, very small percentage of the atmosphere. Uh, you know, this is this has been really interesting, Mark. You know, I've I've learned huge amounts from from everything about the the ziggurat of climate uh, skepticism uh, through to, to what we just talked about there. Before we we head off, is there anything else that you want to add at all? Yeah, uh, I one thing that I was um, so so like people qu- quite often like they say I don't know about climate science, uh, mm. uh, but I kind of want to quickly kind of become sort of knowledgeable. Yeah. And um, there's a, a like a, a very very good channel on YouTube called uh, Kurzgesagt. It's okay. got a German name. Uh, Kurz is short, gesagt. So it's kind of like said shortly. Yeah. And Kurzgesagt have they're brilliant their videos are brilliant i love them um and but they've got they've got seven videos on climate change and they're animated beautifully and they're about 10 minutes long all right and so i I can put a i can put a a list of these seven videos about climate change in the show notes so if people want to go and watch them but that'll be an hour of your life if you were to watch these you will know a lot of the complexities around not necessarily the science so much but just like you know, what are we doing? Like, what can we do? You know, yeah. what options are there? And that sort of thing. So so that that's a kind of a good one stop shop for people who want to, like, you know, clue themselves up a bit. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's 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 about it, I guess. Awesome. Well, I guess now it's time for our good news story. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, episode that you know i wanted to make sure that we kind of kept bringing things back to the positives about climate yeah. change as, as well and and what what is going on and you know one thing that uh, that i've managed to find this week uh, last year in 2022 uh, we passed the 1 trillion dollar mark for spending mm-hmm. worldwide on carbon free energy so nice. what that means is for the first time in history we have spent just as much on clean yep. energy as we did on fossil fuels. So right. we really are at this tipping point now when it comes to where we put our spending. Um, it's almost like we're entering into a new industrial age of clean energy. By 2024, renewables are going to supply a quarter of US electricity with it aiming to be 80 to 90 percent by 2030. So we are at that point where we're turning this massive ship around and starting to head in the right direction. We've just got to keep going with that and, and not take those steps backwards. That's that's great to hear. Uh, I didn't know about that particular statistic. That's uh, that's yeah, that's definitely lifted my spirits. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so to 
to wrap things up, you know, to, to any of you listeners at home, you know, thank you very much for, for tuning in and, and listening uh, to us today. Uh, we're hoping to be back uh, this time next week uh, where we are going to be uh, returning to the theory that Mark was talking about, about the climate denial ziggurat. Uh, we're going to be looking at the very first level of that ziggurat, uh, the argument that, oh, the Earth hasn't warmed. So uh, we look forward to you joining us next week. If you'd like to contact us in the meantime, then by all means, contact us through our email address. Uh, Mark, what's our email address again? Oh, shit. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I've got it written down. It's uh, ccspod280 at gmail.com. Brilliant. Brilliant. So. And so that's uh, referencing, yeah. referencing the 280 uh, parts per million for carbon mm. back in, in the 1850s, is it? Yeah. To support the show, do please visit our website on ccspod.podbean.com. That's ccspod.podbean.com. On the website, you can find our show notes and uh, any other things related to the show, any of the resources that we've been talking about through the episodes as well. Um, yeah. Also, we'd, we'd really uh, appreciate it if you could spend a few minutes uh, sending us a, a review. Um, good ones or bad ones are very welcome. We're very new to this. So we're, we're welcome to any feedback and, and advice on how we can improve. If you've got suggestions for future episodes as well, then do let us know. Um, so that's uh, thank you very much from me, John. Uh, and thanks very much for uh, listening to us to the end, for those of you who are still here. <laughs> Excellent. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.